drinking two beers at once. You're like, this guy's insane. His stick is he kicks you in the balls. <laughs> hits you, stunner! You've been stunned! He hit you with a stunner! Oh, God! And he'd hit anybody with it. My favorite one was when he'd, he'd hit... Anytime... At this point, I was working already, and when he would stun, like, you know, Vince McMahon, I was like, man, I wish I could stun my bosses, you know. <laughs> hey, John, we need you to clean your on restroom duty. Oh, yeah, so go, boom. Oh, God, Bob's been stunned. <laughs> Bob's been stunned. And then I could just stomp around drinking Jujubees. Stop cold. Oh, no, God. Oh, my God, he is broken in half. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, Stone Cold was crazy. Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies A couple of nerds, but got style, we so cool Pop culture, talking new and old school, yeah You should know we love hip-hop From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch We giving you what you want, it don't get no liver Ain't no doubt we gotcha, this is Pop Saga, let's go Oh yeah, you heard right, this is a lifestyle Welcome to the nerd life, Pop Saga Welcome back to Pop Saga Selects 007, the special series where we, your pop culture sommeliers, select the finest vintage installments of the James Bond franchise from each actor who played the iconic super spy. Even though today's installment wasn't much of a selection, as On Her Majesty's Secret Service is George Lazenby's one and only turn as James Bond, it doesn't mean it's not top shelf. I'm allergy scientist turned bad guy, Fofeld, and I am joined by perennial thorn in my side, John Bond. Or should I call you Hitty? <laughs> no, you can call me John Bond. Oh, That's okay. Fine. Yeah, don't call me Hilly. No? <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Like, I mean, it's a fine name, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a fine nickname. I'm not, I'm not rocking that, you know. Yeah, because the guy's name was Hillary, right, or Boyd yeah. Hillary or something. Hillary Boyd. Yeah, and I mean, Hilly makes sense. I mean, you could have called him. Just call me Hill. Call me H Dog. Oh, I didn't think you liked girls. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> that's like 1969 way of saying a bunch of shit yep yeah yep. i i didn't recall when that scene took place i did not recall anyone's like him saying that out loud so they just kind of saw his his mode of dress and they said oh look at this look at his spectacles and his you mean giant a, frame you mean yeah a, a suit a guy built like a rugby star uh and, yeah, he wore a kilt because, you know, that's that's was his tuxedo. As was the style at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looked good in a kilt. Got me beat. Heck, you know, I've never actually put on a kilt before, but, um, uh, he, I mean, dollars to pesos, he's gonna look better at it. Yeah, probably even now. He's like 82, but I'm sure he still looks better at it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I actually happened to see a picture of him during my research, and uh, he is looking great. I mean, I we should all hope to look so uh, 
dashing and dapper at our in uh, our advanced age. Yeah, I'm hoping I don't turn into beef jerky. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't really spend all that much time in the sun, so I think you stay out of that, you stay out of the tanning bed, you stop tanning with baby oil, I think you'll be okay. All right, well, I got two out of three of those things. <laughs> You're tanning with baby oil? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love the smell of barbecue, so. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a hairy it's guy. Me. So I, <laughs> I. I love the smell of my burning chest hair. <laughs> now, that's, uh. Jeez. Well, uh, Pop Saga OnlyFans coming soon. <laughs> hey, man. Whatever gets us some dollars, I guess. You yeah. too can watch John tan with baby oil in his homemade tanning bed, which is just a bunch of <laughs> they see light those, bulbs. They see your they see your chest hairs start to sizzle, and then you you're like, hmm? oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> try and that's what you pay for. Yeah, try the twirl of finger in them, they just all snap off because they're burnt, see? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the second week mm, of roast Crispy. And then you just, like, you slowly reach, like, uh, raise it toward your mouth, and then you just cut right at the end. Yeah. that's yeah. The, You have to keep the them in suspense. Yeah, and you better give me a lot of money for that shit. I don't really know how this works, other than I know the memes but I'm assuming you're going to give me money for my burnt chest hair videos. Sure, why not? I mean, there's something out there for everybody. And if my crunchy burnt chest hair nets pop saga a couple extra bucks, then I'm for it. Yeah, come on. I mean, don't love don't judge, you guys. And some people might love those crispy chest hairs. <laughs> Ooh. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Love don't judge, but I do. And am. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Hooray for Hollywood. That's our new song. Did you guys... <laughs> did we tell you guys? Um... But if it wasn't clear by that uh, masterful, elegant intro done by some handsome stranger, I uh, we're talking today about 1969's on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the uh, the first post Connery Bond, and uh, boy was the studio nervous about that. I watched a trailer, and I've never seen a trailer that I would describe as insecure. <laughs> yeah. This whole yeah. movie has like parts of that, parts of it that are, are like that. Like at the the cold open of this movie, where mm-hmm. he looks down the barrel of the camera and he's like, "That didn't happen to the other fella." <laughs> yeah, they're like. Yeah, we, we, we know we changed something up, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna give you everything that you get in a normal Bond movie. He's gonna drive a car. He's gonna wear a hat. You have about an hour hour and twenty minutes before any sort of action or plot is moved <laughs> along. It's gonna be perfect. Oh my god, 
<laughs> this movie was so long. Yeah, it is the longest James Bond until 2006 Casino Royale. Yep. Can you dig it? It is a two hour and 20 minute Bond. Which felt more like two hours and like 59 minutes. It was, <laughs> there were, I mean, I think you often get into this this space with older movies, but there was, yeah, it had, there was some pacing in it there where you're, or there were some parts of the movie where you were like, what movie is this? What movie is it? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, oh, we're, like, I think there's a point where, like, the suspension of disbelief was not a thing. So you had to see everything happen in almost real time. To accept <laughs> how things <laughs> would work. You're like, well, I need to see him steal this information. I won't believe it otherwise. So we're going to have a whole, like, <laughs> five, like, almost as long as that dude's hour long break to watch him <laughs> steal some files. And you're just like, oh, yes. Now you're talking of the, uh, the even Gumbold. Like, uh, let's yes. yes, the Gumbold suspense sequence. Uh, where suspense James quotes, Bond, <laughs> yep, where this this sequence was so hard to parse because James Bond goes into to he gets this information about this guy and this like follows right after like a dating montage with uh with Tracy that's her yep. name I think yeah yeah yep. um, played by <clears throat> Diana uh, Diana Riggs. Yeah, amazing Diana Rigg. Most people from this who are listening to this probably know her from Game of Thrones, but we know her from this and, of course, the Avengers. And not the Marvel Avengers, the British Avengers. Oh, man, Emma Peel. Yep. Oof. Anyway, already now. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, she is fantastic in each one of these roles. She's great in this mm-hmm. movie. She's great in the Avengers, and she is is fantastic, of course, in uh, Game of Thrones as uh, Lady Tyrell. I guess I think that is her name in that one. I have yeah, I think it's like Alina. I'm trying to remember. She for those at home trying to remember. Yeah, I think it's Alina Tyrell. She's the older woman that a lot of memes are used. The kind of the yeah. just deal with it memes. She's the the she's like the the matriarch of uh, House Tyrell, and oh yeah, Olena, Olena, Olena Tyrell. I'm not good with them names now. Yeah, well, well, me neither. Obviously, I just had to look it up on I am a database. Um, but uh, yeah, she was fantastic. Um. Uh, I mean, Telly Savalas is in this as Blofeld, and he is really good. Um, yeah, gnarled, fingered, and all. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, but he's—I I mean, like, he is good. Uh, and uh, even George Lazenby, who you know, up into this, I think he is getting his sort of day in the sun now. People are looking back on this movie a lot more favorably but for a long time he was considered uh, one of the lesser bonds but um i think his his star has risen quite a bit since then 
I mean, are you prepared for a hot take already? Yeah, let's go. All right. I'll take this James Bond over both of the Timothy Dalton movies any day of the week. Yeah. Well, I think you that may have been a hot take at the time, but since then, I mean, according to my research, uh, this movie topped a list of, like, um, it was like a James Bond magazine. They did a... um, they did a, uh, I think it was back in like 2012 or something, they did a poll of their readership. What are the 25 best Bond movies? This one was at the top. So I think you are actually, I think you that's the popular opinion now. Good, good. I'm glad everyone is, uh, and so I'll retake my hot take. I'm glad everyone's uh, on board the uh, Lazenby. Yeah, I mean. HMS he was he was raked over the coals uh in the reviews when this movie originally came out um people were only uh um familiar with him from uh, a a commercial he did on tv and so they when he replaced connery who you know people was fairly beloved he uh you know he didn't have he had a hard he had a hard time of it, but I think with the 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 benefit of like hindsight and time, people have come to appreciate his performance a lot more. I mean that that's really almost an impossible role to like follow at the time. Now it's kind of easier, right? You can be Daniel Craig and be many bonds removed from Connery, and actually have a good chance that most of the people are going to watch your movies have never seen a Connery or even the Roger Moores, you know. And probably yep. even none of the you know probably Pierce Bronson is when they started, so you know it, it's kind of easier to follow you know like who gives a shit about Connery? But at this time, I could imagine being the Lazenby baby, you're gonna play Bond, you know, and just like what you know <laughs> what about Connery? Oh, he's he's done with the role. He's like, all right, I'll uh, I'll do it. I guess. Uh, I mean. I, he's one of my favorites. I'll just flat out say it. I really enjoy him as Bond. His hair is like a helmet. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, he's got the yeah, frame for that. it, though. It's but, like but, you were describing him as if it was myth. His hair, <laughs> like a helmet. His frame, uh, a blocky uh, <laughs> gait. Um, His face, a knobby mess. His, his, I mean, it does look like his face was just chiseled out of stone. Like, he has I mean, a very you know, blocky, almost oafish-faced face, and uh, I, I mean, I, to my understanding, that is uh, Ian Fleming's uh, um, intention for James Bond that didn't really make it to the screen, is that he was sort of more of a yeah, he was more gruff and oafish, I think. And I think there's a, a certain part of Lazenby's, especially his like loping fighting style, that really uh, I think plays into that quite well. Well, I mean, the dude was an actual trained, or is a trained martial artist, like black belt and like Shotokan or something, and uh, judo. He and he used to train the Australian army in like hand-to-hand fighting because i mean when he was throwing haymakers and uppercuts in this movie he was throwing uppercuts like 
he was like Ryu from Street Fighter. That's how far yeah. he was. <laughs> yeah. <"Whoa,"> you know, <laughs> like, he has he these giant sweet. arms. Seemingly, I don't know how how tall he is actually, but he has these super long arms, and he just throws them around like morning stars. <laughs> he's just—it's <Yeah>, <laughs> like you know, like the kid on the—if you ever got in a fight in school, and you, you know, you, maybe you watched a few like. I don't know, Batman 66 episodes, so you thought you knew how to fight, and this other kid <laughs> only knew the windmill technique. Lazenby <laughs> is pure windmill, baby, but his shit yeah. works. He's <laughs> hey, 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 and just chucking fists every direction. Yeah, he's got a scary windmill, um, yeah, not like a, a silly one. Yeah, this isn't like dotting some countryside. This windmill is going to knock you the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, he... I, some people may know this, but he, as you as you mentioned before, he was a uh, a rugby uh, player, and he's from Australia. And he was in a uh, an ad. It was his only acting thing uh, or our job before this movie. And one of the producers, I think it was uh, it was Broccoli. Uh, <laughs> That's not a real name, right? You can't be named Albert R. Broccoli. Yeah, he's Albert. His name is Albert R. Broccoli, and he was called by people Cubby at some some points. So Cubby Broccoli. Sure. Um, yeah, he saw his uh, his ad, and then um, it, and invited him to to audition. And I guess I think I heard for the audition, he went to Connery's uh, hairdresser and asked for the the Connery helmet. Yeah, give me the Connery. It's like, you can't handle this haircut, shunny boy. <laughs> you think you think you can rock this? Good luck. I I went down sort of like a research rabbit hole because I was very interested after seeing the movie. Not to give anything away, but after seeing the movie, I was really interested to see why they didn't have him play uh, Bond again. And um, the reason was so sad. I mean, this, again, I hope that you've already seen this movie or or when you saw this title, you went out and, and listened, or sorry, watched the movie first before you listened to this. But um, the ending to this movie is so, so depressing and sad. And so after, I, you know, I thought he did a really good job in the end of this movie, and so I looked up kind of, like, uh, what his deal was, and then the the answer to why he only did one is equally sad. Uh, his agent convinced him that because, the, you know, this was 1969 when this was coming out, they were filming it in 1968, the 70s are coming in, the, they're gonna be the freewheeling 70s, and, and no one's gonna be interested in your grandpa's, uh, super spy stuff they didn't they just they didn't think james bond would sell in the 70s and so he was offered a seven picture contract and he declined because his agent convinced him that this this would probably be the last james bond oh my god (laughs) i mean okay uh, dude i'd windmill that fucking agent <laughs> yeah, hey, he, hey, had a really, <laughs> he had a really <laughs> tough time afterwards finding work uh, because he had turned down this offer and he got he had developed sort of a reputation and some say may, maybe unfairly from 
Albert Broccoli was telling people this guy's, you know, super arrogant. It was funny is that um, Sean Connery actually came to George Lazenby's defense and he said, well, you know, I knew uh, George well and, and, you know, being uh, being, you know, conceited isn't part of his character and, and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, George Lazenby later came out and said, well, I've actually never met Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> he just said that because he Sean Connery apparently hates uh, Cubby Broccoli. Uh, they they got into their relationship fell apart to the point where they simply weren't talking in the last James Bond that he filmed, even though, you know, he's uh, Albert Broccoli is is integral in the. Uh, you know the um the the production of those movies and he hated him so much he just was like oh yeah no george is fantastic uh you know uh, he's not egotistical but that's i can't say the same for cubby broccoli <laughs> and then george is like ah, i mean i don't know man uh, we've never met uh i saw he's like I, someone was staying at my house and he came by to pick them up and I saw him through the window in the door. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's close as I ever came to Sean Connery. Insane. But don't worry, folks. He, he's made a lot of money since then, so uh, George is doing just fine now. Yeah, yeah. And a, and a kind of a weird aside, after he did James Bond and he was trying to get some stuff going, he went to Hong Kong to do a movie mm-hmm. with Bruce Lee. And then Bruce Lee was killed right before they started filming. Well, he died. He wasn't murdered. Uh. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Allegedly. Sorry, Allegedly, I'm yeah. I, I mean, I just had a red dot appear on my chest, so I'm just going to say what. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, yes, yes, yeah. He, he tragically. Yeah, he tragically passed, but um, uh, which is not to say, oh, boohoo, uh, George Lazenby, because George Lazenby is still alive. Uh, but it is um, it is a, a spot of bad luck. Yeah, that's nuts. That's like crazy. This, this dude has had a wacky life, like you know, a lot better than I'm doing, I guess. But <laughs> well. It's certainly uh it is certainly a different path and I think he's said since that like um that you know it was probably a mistake to turn that down but also it seemed like you know losing that and then the stuff that came afterwards like it really affected him in a, a negative way which is I think I think is a it's just one of those things that you can draw parallels with a lot of people who are in these big franchises like this being in a big franchise like this can sometimes uh, really have it a negative effect on you know your uh, future and uh, your career, which is weird, right? You'd think, oh, everyone would want to be in a James Bond, everyone would want to be in a Star Wars, but you know, go talk to Jake Lloyd how that's how that's going. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I mean, he, yeah, Jake Lloyd got a real uh, raw into that deal though. But to be fair, oh I mean, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, look, for the longest time, you know, Mark Hamill was just referred to as Luke Skywalker. Yeah. You know, it's just easier to say that. You know, Carrie Fisher was Princess Leia. 
it's hard for that the, that stigma to kind of break the well, the one that did it was Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's like, oh, there's Han Solo. No, you know, you'd more likely call him Indy than you would call him Han Solo, even though both of the roles, I feel, are, you know, equally as good and equally as that. But, like, just kind of having that stigma. Same with the, you know, the actors who've played the Doctor. All of them are just like, oh, they're the Doctor now. You know, you're just kind of associated with it. Same with Bond, right? Like... Except now, I think like with like Pierce Bronson, I don't think of him as James Bond. I don't think of Daniel Craig as James Bond. I'll still think of Connery as Bond. Um, but yeah, that that stigma of this role, this like cultural icon, uh, you know, for better or worse, could stick around. So I could definitely see that kind of if he would have taken on like seven roles. Of course, Lazen B would be like one of the most important bonds out there but and you know in my opinion i think he is but uh yeah even for just doing the one i role. agree i think what what sort of this is like the one of the bonds that i've probably seen the least uh out of all of them i do remember watching it as a kid uh and just being confused for like the first 15 minutes being like wow sean connery looks weird <laughs> <laughs> he's really let himself get fitter let go (laughs) the younger and taller i don't understand looks like he has real hair uh but i just remember being kind of like um not just not into it because it didn't have sean connery in it that was just the i was you know at that point you're just a kid you just want more of like what you like so uh i was not there was no space in my heart for um, for George Lazenby, but can you imagine if he did do the rest of those seven? Like, think about some of the Roger Moore Bonds. Like, oh man, him doing Moonraker. Yeah, can you just like he? Because what surprised me about this movie is that how how like sincere and uh real and sort of three-dimensional George Lazenby made Bond. It's it's weird because this movie more than any of the other older Bond movies reminds me of the contemporary, the current um James mm-hmm. Bond. There's like there feels like there's a direct line between Lazenby's portrayal and Craig's portrayal. Um, there's vulnerability there. Uh, there is, and like he is, I don't know. There's there's a softness there that makes him more of a real person and less of a caricature, I guess. Yeah, you could t- you could kind of tell there's a level of tropes that they went with. Um, sure. To just try to make people feel like, oh, this is a you know Bond. This is Bond. Yeah. Money Penny M Q. Though, you know, he doesn't really even use gadgets. There's no, like, and Q doesn't even have, like, a gadget scene. They have that one scene where he talks about uh, radioactive lint. and, right? and But there's not, like, the usual sort of gallery of fun gadgets you get to walk ba- by in the background. Well, and none of that ties in to the episode. It, Nothing. It, to the movie, right? He's like, here's the radioactive lint. You're like, oh, he's going to use this? No, nah, never. Nope. Fuck the lint. The lint's gone. <laughs> like, don't, don't worry about it. 
Yeah, very much, again, like, you know, the parallels, like Casino Royale. He didn't use gadgets in Casino Royale. He had, like, uh, like a defibrillator in the car. I was like, well, that makes sense, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, that might be somebody something with people you, have. Yeah, like, I mean, that, that was the extent of it. And he doesn't use gadgets. And, you know, they kind of lean into the fact that, you know, he's not Connery. Like, just acknowledge it right away. Like, to your point when he was like, that didn't happen to the other guy. You're just like, yeah, cool, all right. All right, we know it's not Connery, let's go. <laughs> yeah, you're like, and then, well, I mean, that plus the intro, which is like just an hourglass or martini shape that is playing scenes from the Connery movies. Yeah, which I did not <laughs> Why? Why not? Like, be, you know why? It's because... Sorry, Batman's going insane. Um, oh, he must see uh, he must see Blofeld outside. <laughs> Blofeld as like, Tony Savalas is like, "Who loves you, baby?" And you're like, "Oh no, get away from the door, Tony! Get away from." You know what door. I don't like? Allergies, baby. Yeah, baby. I'm gonna brainwash you into losing your allergies, but also into murdering people with gas. <laughs> I think. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> no, it's just it's okay. We could jump around. Yeah, fuck it. You, you, you're. I mean, you're the you're the captain of this ship. You tell us. You tell me where to go, and I'll I'll, I'll uh, swab the poop deck. You take that as you will. I think it's because they're just showing that because obviously, it was almost like they didn't want to tell you what the plot to this one was, right? Usually, like when you're like diamonds are forever, you know, like you're like maybe diamonds might be involved or. You know, something. This one was like, I don't know what it's about. It's We're just seeing the past. We know it happened. And we're hearing this killer version of a Bond theme. I'm, right. I'm hard-pressed. I'm actually hard-pressed to pick a favorite between the original and this one. Yeah, they're good, right? But it's not a... It's not like a crafted song by, you know, some iconic song uh, writer, yeah. performer... Yeah, you're not getting none of the and he struck like thunderbolt. You know what? You're not getting any of that shit. It's just a fucking yeah. You're gonna hear this theme a lot, and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're really gonna. And we'll even play the original one too. Don't worry, it's in there as well. We'll but just go gonna, back and forth. Yeah, we're just gonna fuck it. This is Bond, baby. He's back and he's got hair. Um. <laughs> And what hair? Yeah, I mean, his hair looks really fake. But it was real. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, Connery's there's this, looked really good, but his was fake. So. Yeah, it was. There's a part in the trailer where uh, the announcer's like, uh, a new Bond from the same stable. <laughs> it's like, all right, we get it. The guy's new. Okay, cool. And then you have the intro where it's just like, do you remember these old movies? That's not this, but it's something new. Please like and tell a friend it was good. Please tell a friend. I wanted to ask you, what do you think, what is the percentage of time where Bond meets an important st story character because they cut him off on the road? It's gotta, I mean, it was funny. 
because I thought about <laughs> this when we were watching. I was like, oh, wow, this this is the second Bond movie we've watched so far that's had the, almost the same incident happen. Um, I'm going to go a good 66, 69%. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, nice. Nice. But it it must, it must be at least that uh, at least that much. Um, I mean, this intro's nutty. Yeah, it's, I mean, they have a woman driving up to a beach, uh, walking into the water. Um, James Bond mm-hmm. is like just out for a drive, right? Yeah, just cruising. Because. I know he is on an operation during the cold open that he gets taken off of not shortly thereafter, but I was confused as to whether or not that he was like following or was trying to find, um, you know, uh, the the Contessa. Um, but uh, yeah, he just happens to come upon someone who is clearly trying to commit suicide. I. I don't know. But She's I walking would say... into the surf with like fully clothed. But uh I mean I guess yeah. I... I mean <laughs> why does he have a little telescope? <laughs> I mean that's I guess the only gadget in the movie, but I mean he's a spy. <laughs> he doesn't look far. Yeah. And I like the part where he's looking through the telescope, and the, you see the ring on the outside of the telescope. You see, like, outside of the telescope view, but it's the same amount of zoomed in. <laughs> You're just like, all right, guys. Hey, man, A for effort. Like, C for execution. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. In general, I think this movie is beautifully shot. It, it actually feels very modern in that way and it, it it looks beautiful most of the time but there are some fun flubs here and there yeah probably Christmas like how about that the town <laughs> right yeah how about the part where the, he's driving down the beach and it's clear i actually looked up they have uh, railroad ties down there that's how they the car was able to drive on the sand but you can see that every time the car hits the railroad tie, because it's just like rocking back and forth. And the guy who it's a handheld shot and the guy is obviously in the back seat, but he can't keep that heavy camera stable. So you get like 70% seat in that shot. Yeah, it is pretty. Uh, actually, that was pretty almost like motion sickness inducing. To me. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, whoa, that's a little aggressive. <laughs> I did not remember that. It's funny. I, I it, while rewatching this movie, I don't remember. Usually, I always remember. Uh, I remember everything from the Allergy Institute onward, but everything else, I'm just like, oh, there is, there is a, there is more movie to this. I forgot. Yeah, a lot more movie, yeah. <laughs> and. Seemingly a like seventies style romance movie as well, um, because him and the Contessa they start up quite a serious relationship. I mean, not only is is uh, Diana Rigg like a really incredible actor, but she has the uh, like she really meets him in terms of intensity, um, 
which I thought mm-hmm. was was mm-hmm. really cool. Uh, yeah, but there's like a whole section where he is just like meeting with her dad, and her dad is just like begging uh, James Bond to just marry her. I'll offer you a dowry, please. What she needs is the therapy of a dominating man. Yeah. A man to dominate her and make love to her to make her love him. You're like, really, Draco? Really? I wonder really? how why she's like this. I wonder. Uh, yeah. Could it be your terrible fathering? Oh, he's like the worst. Like, he's the worst best dad I could think of. Because he is more worse than best, but when he went to, you know, like, near the end, I mean... He, he really fucking, yeah, he pulls out all the stops. stops. He's like, fuck Spectre, I'm gonna show you what's up. <laughs> We're taking out Tony, Telly Savalas and all his shit. Man, <laughs> I really loved the that aspect of this movie. The, um... I loved the aspect of the like the two criminal organizations, like this criminal trade organization smuggling operation versus uh, Spectre. That was like, like sort of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. It was this really cool uh, way that they 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 gave James Bond resources when he when he was unable to get them from his uh, from his government. Yeah. I, I mean, I really I really appreciate that uh, because it makes the world feel larger in a way. You know, it's oh, not yeah. so like focused on the plot that there's more machinations besides this one and you know, of him trying to finally find Blofeld, you know, and the head of this organization. And then of course being like every cop that's too close to something getting taken off the case before you know, he can find his man. Yeah, was Thank it just me, or were was he, uh, Bond and M's relationship in this one way more fraught? Oh no, it was it it it's definitely like on edge. Yeah, because when the Shonery or the Shonery, the Shonery Connery, I like it. I like it. That's it. It's Shonery in the Shonery Bonds. Um, he was always like he was always clowning on M, or sort of like he had the intellectual upper hand always, and so their fights always seemed a little one-sided. You know, you always knew Bond was just gonna get his way, kind of. And in this one, like Lazen Beast is like, "Well, I'll quit. I must get Blofeld, and if not, I'm going to quit. Bye." Were you as surprised as I am that he had a desk? Yeah, okay, I wrote that down in my notes. Bond office time. I, it was incredible. And then he pulls out a little flask, and you're like, well, yeah, Bond is an alcoholic. And then he's just like, oh, uh, sorry, mom. <laughs> to the queen, <laughs> he's got a picture of the queen up there. He's like, sorry for drinking on the job. Yeah, well, you know, gotta do what I gotta do. Yeah, like you have the little garrote watch and like this rusty ass knife. You're just like, what is this desk? Like, yeah, I was like, yeah, does he, have he an like office, never comes but, back here. Yeah, this is like, he's the Bond to me has always been the ultimate remote worker. Like, I would never imagine that he would keep like, oh well, you know, and I'm not out saving the world. I'm out here, you know, typing reports, reading stuff, you know, chilling. 
Yeah, that whole aspect was fantastic. And I I did notice, though, that there was a button missing on uh, M's, like, uh, leather door that has big, you know, brass buttons on it, like you might find in a fancy executive chair. Um, <laughs> it had, like, there was one missing from the upper, hand, like, uh, the upper left-hand corner. Mm. And it, every time they would do the reverse shot and show Bond talking to M, it would bother the crap out of me because I'm like, why wouldn't you get that fixed? You'd be staring at it all day. <laughs> well, M, you know, doesn't care for, like, the aesthetics of things. Yeah. I'm far too focused on my Lepidoptera. Which, and to your point earlier, you know, Bond was able to talk shop with him. Yeah, he yeah. does have that one moment where he's like, awful small for whatever Latin species of butterfly. Yeah. And Emma's just I like, taken aback. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that's that's Bond in a nutshell, right? Seems to know something about everything. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, and, and most things about, uh... He learns very quickly. He's a very fast study, and he learns uh, stuff about heraldry. What a weird way to get into this location. That was a, such an interesting wrinkle, right? Because he mm-hmm. he figures out uh, he uh, through the, the using um, the Tracy's dad, uh, Draco. Um, uh, using him uh, for information, he finds out about this uh, guy, Gumbold, who has, like, a letter about the heraldry. And, uh, mm-hmm. Like, it's this very convoluted, interesting plot to get in to see Blofeld. And uh, using heraldry, yeah, you're absolutely right. What a weird thing Just... in this movie, because... I mean, I still don't understand exactly what was he was doing. So Blowfield was trying to get his uh, the count right. He's, like he, he was very concerned with having the of, of being officially recognized as a count to the point where when he makes his demands of the world uh, when he's about to enact his evil scheme, he. That's one of his demands, is that he be fully instated as a uh, account. But uh, James has got his number, doesn't he? Yes, he does. But you have to ask yourself, why would Blofeld care about any of that? Like, if he if he's, he's out for world domination, which, you know, by all accounts it seems like he is, or at least, you know wealth and fame and he already has money and power why would he care about this one title so much it so is, it sounds like he might have like had surgery to make him appear to match the uh you know the the bloodline yeah right that's an interesting scene where james is accusing him of cutting his earlobes off in order to mimic a genetic trait of the bloodline that he's claiming to be a part of. And he doesn't deny it. No, I mean, you know, like, fucking Blofeld's like, like, Lex Luthor, kind of. (laughs) In more ways than one. 
Hmm. Yeah, he's like, yeah, well, I want this. You know, so I guess it's important enough for me to have that. I, I do like the fact that, you know, we get to see Bond's family's crest. And yeah. Find out it's like the Latin is the world is not enough. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I was like, that's the title of the movie later. Yeah, it's really cool. You guys are you guys are pretty good. Yeah. That's a, wow. <laughs> <laughs> they really planted the seed early. <laughs> they didn't uh, Elliot Carver was coming along. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad it was a shitty movie, but uh, I'm glad as Chris says it, you know, um, <laughs> it shows an interconnectivity that I wasn't expecting. And, um, oh, James, you know. I found another crest in your family tree. It says tomorrow never dies. Anyway, goodbye. <laughs> That's the one with, uh, Elliot Carver. The world is not enough is the one with Christmas Jones. Sorry, you got it wrong for it. Goodbye. It's me, Q. That was nice of Q. <laughs> to be honest, I would have been able to tell you who was in what. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I was like, I don't remember tomorrow never dies. I remember it was a bad video game. Yeah, it's the one right? with uh, it's yes, absolutely. Right? But that one had Michelle Yeoh in it and the stealth yeah, boat. The, well, Michelle Yeoh was the best part. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there were some good motorcycle uh, motorcycle chases in that one. Fair, um, but overall probably not yeah i mean you know the best part about the way we're doing these bond reviews we'll never have to watch it anyway yeah <laughs> i can guarantee no. you it is not gonna be the selects for the brosnan era you're just gonna have to wait and see which one that one is <laughs> <Golden Eye. laughs> sorry so anyway, Telly Savalas, yeah, he was great. Uh, no earlobes, and I never, you know, I never realized that he was missing like the tip of his left pointer finger. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess I've never sat this close to a screen watching this movie before either, though. So let me be fair. Um, so I never noticed that. <laughs> yeah, this this movie is rated PG, and I saw female areola twice twice did i miss (laughs) did i miss a bunch no you got one more than i did because i it was the one so after what what was the dude's uh gold gold, global (laughs) gumbold gumbold's office (laughs) for some strange reason when bond stills the like playboy centerfold out of it yeah, he just rips out the centerfold for the magazine. It's even funnier because this whole the whole sequence, I think we alluded to this earlier, but it's such the it's the most weirdest, boringest, uh tension filled scene in any Bond movie. And it's funny, really funny how they play it, because this the the attorney that he is going to steal this letter from or copy the letter from, uh is like he leaves james bond enters the office and then there's this whole part where he it, the the gumbold guy can't find his wallet and you're like oh no will he go back but then he finds it right away and he's like fine mm-hmm. and then james bond gets delivered 
what is a safe cracking and copy machine? And then they show so long of him sitting there waiting for the safe cracking to finish. And I know it's we're supposed to think, oh, you know, Gumbold will be back any second. But he's just like an attorney. Won't he just go into his office and James Bond will just punch him in the mouth? Yeah, push him out the window or just like shoot him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's got that license to kill. There's yeah. a reason to use it. <laughs> but they play this for extreme tension. It is. Uh, but yeah, it's like five it it's like five, six minutes of just this. Of him reading the Playboy. Yep. He, he it, first he takes out a newspaper and he, then he finds the Playboy. And he, he spends a lot of time looking at that centerfold, and then he rips it out and takes it. So that but yeah, the- as you're, yeah, you're, that's the that's one of them. He definitely you, the camera catches a, a glimpse of that centerfold, and it is uh, it's all on the field. Let's just say. Yeah. So, uh, but I missed one. Yeah. Well, you see, um, uh, when he is uh, hanging out with Ruby. Um, when she's laying down, and part of the, like the sheet's just too low, and you uh, you see it is oh, there as well. Wow! All right, all right. I'm gonna have to go back and revisit this movie. <laughs> yeah, PG back in the seventies was wild. You could just uh, show a lot of violence and and some some nudity and uh, no prop, Bob. No, none whatsoever. I like that time more. <laughs> yep. Yep. If you've ever wanted to see James Bond steal some J.O. material <laughs> on Her Majesty's Secret Service, rated PG. Yeah, it's got you covered. Yep, it's it's certainly got uh, Bond covered. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> why do I do that? I always do that. <laughs> yeah, I got, got the goddamn sound. So he Bond then goes off to um, off to Switzerland, which is this awesome location, um, and to to the the Buch something. Uh, sure, sure. Whatever the Blofeld's uh, you know name is, his, his translated name. Um, his institute in the Swiss Alps, which is like right next to a ski resort, <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, I guess maybe they they needed the use of that that uh, that that cable car that it, they they take up to this this place, which is a real place. Um, it's a restaurant. It's a revolving restaurant. I think you can. I still. I think you can still visit it. Oh, so that guy was right. I want to go up to that restaurant up there. Yeah, the, yeah his, like... his blonde friend that just shows up at one point and is never. I guess he's never. one of the. He's one of. Is he work for? Uh, I just figured Draco? he worked for MI. No, I figured he worked for MI six. That was weird because he's Bond is on vacation right when he goes when that guy is kind of backing him up. Yeah, I think it's because well theory maybe he's being followed by MI6 to keep track on him or track of him because 
you we don't see him we see him bef- we see him on vacation then we see him again in the alps but he doesn't look like one of uh, draco's dudes yeah right it, i can't really remember but he does kind of come out of nowhere to the point where when i first saw him at the construction site across from where bond was i thought they might be advers- adversaries because he has i don't know if it's his blonde hair or cable knit sweater but he has a very diehard villain look about him um so i wasn't assuming that he was a good guy but um yeah he is uh he's 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 helping out uh old jb yeah i thought maybe or maybe you know bond was just rolling deep right he's just like hey man i'm gonna i need some help i've been out here two years looking for blofeld let me let me let me hire myself a personal assistant and uh you know, carry the uh, safe cracker photocopier thing with you, just in case I need it. <laughs> and somehow commandeer a uh, what looks like a giant cement truck. Um, you know what? Actually, it must have been Draco's guy because oh, the the construction site that he he was in had Draco's uh, uh, company name all over it. Well, there you go. You solved you solved the crime. I solved it. You are um, you are the master detective after all. Because I think right, I think that lines up because after um after he uh after James Bond is sort of like is put on administrative leave, he um everything after that must be funded by the Draco. I mean, to be fair, I was kind of blanking in and out during this period, waiting for the snow, so <laughs> I think your reasoning tracks. Although I guess they're... Well, no, yeah, because he, when he gets the information, then he goes to M and is like, well, they want to find out if he's really a count, so can I go out there? And I guess it's not 100% clear to me if if M is just like, okay, fine, Bond. Do what you will. Yep, yeah, I mean, well, you know, sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do. You know, like... But, um, yeah, yeah, sometimes you just gotta make it happen. Fair. But you're right about the, the whole snow thing. It, that's when things really uh, kick into high gear. Yeah, no, I, I this everything up here is really exciting. I, I enjoy the sequence, like the sequences, the weird allergy dinner when he meets all oh. the you know like all these supermodels <laughs> yeah. who have weird ass allergies. Yeah. Oh man, uh, I was looking up some trivia to this uh, movie and. Only Ruby and the other uh, woman that Bond has some some relation carnal relations with. Only they get names. Everyone else is just like the most. Think of the most insulting thing they could be called. That's what they're called. It's like, uh, Chinese girl, uh, Indian girl, Scandinavian girl. <laughs> like that's Jeez. their literal character names. I I mean, it's not surprising in in the context of uh, of this point in history. 
it was but it was the kind of thing where i'm like oh maybe they all have names and like they have characters characteristics beyond just being sort of like uh i think they're presented as just like there's one of every kind (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was a veritable, uh, I, I had a bunch of words coming to my head, and I was like, I can't say any of them, because they're all bad. Uh, <laughs> not a but bad it is way, weird, right? Like, There's, It's never explained, aside from the fact that they are referred to as his angels of death, so they have to be uh, angelic, uh, I, I suppose, that's his thinking anyway. Well, there's, um, a, there's a portion of a map you see later on that has the locations when he's taking pictures. Of right. And has the different girls there in different parts of the world. I imagine that's why they're from everywhere. Is so. That makes sense. Yeah. But I do love uh, James's. His uh, his outfit, his disguise and mannerisms as uh, as as Hillary, uh, what's his butt? Oh, I didn't write his name. I'm gonna tell the folks at home. My notes for Sorry. the movie were minimal because <laughs> I have I it here. I found it. Good. It's Sir Hillary Bray. Yeah, more notes than I do. Yeah, I didn't write that down. Yes, and he is. Uh, he he plays Sir Hilary Bray as someone who is very bookish and, and nebbish, despite his massive frame. And he has a bit of a Sherlock Holmes vibe to him. And they put, like, nerdy little glasses on him, and that's supposed to convince us that he has effectively disguised himself. Um, and I guess he does, because he only a small clerical mistake, or, or nomenclature mistake, uh you know gives him away but him just being like uh you know he is met at the the train station by blofeld's um people and they asked uh she asked him how uh his 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 trip was and he's like oh it was dreadful i'm a terribly i'm a terrible traveler and then there's like a a 10 minute long helicopter sequence where he just looks sick sick the whole time yeah no i i like that level of commitment also seemed excessive to have a 10 minute travel from him getting picked up to getting to the facility (laughs) yeah because like you mentioned earlier everything seems to to like need to happen uh, in order and almost in real time and like they're like they drive him to a helicopter and then they get it in the helicopter and then they fly up there even though later we see that most people just take a cable car to go up there so why did they use the helicopter yeah, and then, like, I get trying to establish that, you know, this is the town, and we are definitely going to see it later in a pretty exciting type of chase. I'll take your word for it. Just just get me to the next thing. You could have literally trimmed out a good, like, eight minutes here, and I, I still would have got a sense of what you were trying to show, that, like, yeah, you're kind of in a remote area, you're away from people, he doesn't have that level of backup, so we get to, you know, we have to see Bond's wits, you know, help him again in this case. And uh, I didn't need to see him in the helicopter flying over or doing any of that <laughs> shit. But. <laughs> yeah. but man, this, uh, the place where they, where they go to, 
um, man, it is really cool. The the fact that this is a real place at a rotating restaurant on top of a hill in the Swiss Alps is just incredible. I mean, I would love bucket list. It's on the bucket list now. I would love to go there. I'm sure they have. I'm sure it's like just adorned with, you know, James Bond. Uh, I'm sure it's like the Hard Rock ho- or Hard Rock uh, Cafe of uh, of of James Bond <laughs> restaurants up there. Um, but. Yeah, it was just such a great, uh, such a great location. And then the sets that they that they use for the interior are also uh, incredible. There's like an ice tunnel. Uh, the laboratory looks awesome. But I think much like a lot of the other things in this movie, uh, very grounded. Um, every like the his his sort of lab and his his institute. Where he's brainwashing all these uh, women to go spread uh, a deadly virus that will make every living thing infertile, which is rugged. That is such a rugged plan. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. B- but uh, yeah, just like it's understated. It's not as big as some of the other sets. The set pieces aren't as crazy and wacky. There's no giant lasers. There's no giant missiles it's a you know it's a very well designed but uh but like a very it looks like a lab you know it looks like somewhere they're doing experiments and and the the institute has rooms like a hotel and common areas and everything feels like it could exist in real life even though it doesn't yeah there there's no questioning kind of what's going on here it's no like uh gold finger changing everything around you know like transforming <laughs> yeah. super death room that has you know uh, a model of fort knox and you know it's none of that it's just like yeah he's creating this chemical he's manipulating these women um by hypnosis under the pretense of, you know, like, trying to cure them of their weird-ass allergies. You know, like, I never liked chicken. I didn't like looking at chicken, so how'd he cure it? Somehow she's just eating a big old plate of chicken. One woman doesn't like potatoes, so she's eating nothing but potatoes. And You know, like, you learn that he's been manipulating this way but by also implanting this, you know, his, you know, uh, Blowfield's plans for world domination or the whole the uh world hostage and yeah it's it's nifty because it's really self-contained and then knowing that bond doesn't have any gadgets to help him get out of the room he has to figure out a way to break out of his room which is real easy but you know yeah it's a cool macgyver moment he he takes that little piece of metal and he and he runs it along the top of the door and he encounters, he gets shocked, he encounters an electronic component, so he shorts it by taking a gum eraser, splitting it in half, and then putting a piece of metal in between it, and then putting, like, a clip on top of those so there's no conductivity coming to his fingers, and he's able to just, uh, you know, complete the uh, feedback loop and, and, and open that door, and... I thought that was awesome. It was a very like uh, MacGyver sort of uh, improvisational thing that you don't see from Bond all that often. Yeah, no, killer. I think, like straight killer. 
And again, it's because he's not packing gun like nothing. You know, he has to use his wits to get around, but he's also using his bondness to you know get information as well. It, uh, yeah, he was, Oh man, the scene where he is so he, he he's regaling this this group of um this group of aller, uh, allergic women uh with all these awesome uh stories of heraldry and has even enticed them by saying that he has a book of pictures an illustrated book that everyone is just dying to uh, to check out the entertainment of this institute must be terrible but um you know every of course the minute he walks in the room every woman is just head over heels gaga just uh, uh, just their, their their jaws drop to the floor and behold this beautiful man and um one of the the named characters ruby takes her lipstick and draws <laughs> her her room name on his inner thigh yeah <laughs> And, and then, like the sort of the the bookish sort of school marm type uh, uh, German woman who I whose name is is uh, escaping me at the moment, but she is like, uh, is everything all right, uh, uh, Mister Hillary? And he's like, yes, my shoulders stiffening up. <laughs> it's like, he's like, there's a bright stiffness. Yeah, right. He has a he has a stiffy pun, which is fun. Um, yes, that's Irma Bunt, by the way, uh, played by Elise Stepat, um, who was the uh, Blofeld's uh, henchman hench person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I thought that that part was great, and the fact that he goes and like seduces her with this series of lines. Um, and uh, and then once she sort of starts getting hypnotized and he realizes uh, what what's going on there he goes back to his room and then uh and then another woman enters his room because she's also broken out of her room and he does the exact same lines yep. with her except <laughs> like just faster he's like hey, i got to speed this up he's like oh, the books uh, are in here somewhere <laughs> yeah uh, you're more beautiful especially by candlelight blah 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 blah, blah. yeah um, so I that one was that part was f- legitimately funny i thought yeah just uh, super enjoyable he seems like he's getting you know he's getting away with this but uh, like you pointed out a little later on, um, he made a mistake, a slight mistake, and uh, uh, Blofeld was able to, um, you know, realize he made a mistake and realized he was Bond for some reason. They yeah. didn't know this was Bond already. <laughs> yeah, he picks out two extremely... Uh, details that seemingly almost anyone could have gotten wrong. And uh, he, he he just immediately knows not only is this not uh, Hillary Bray, but this is in fact James Bond. We don't. He never says what, how he knows that he's James Bond. Uh, he just is like, oh yeah, I figured it all out. Um, and <laughs> the the way they catch him is pretty great too, because he comes back. He goes. He double dips with Ruby. Oh, yeah, he goes back to, right. to Ruby's room. He's like, Ruby! 
And then, uh, and then, <laughs> no, it's, it's it's in fact uh, one of uh, Blofeld's. Uh, it's Irma Bunt in there. She just pops out, and he gets, and he's like, "Oh, fancy seeing you here!" <laughs> what a fucking rude awakening. After thinking it's Ruby, and you get her, you'd be, "Oh, jeez, <laughs> ah! no, no, why?" <laughs> he gets knocked the fuck out too. Yeah, it's great. And then, of course, Blofeld, you know, explains his entire plan, which, dumb. But uh, all of that's really in service of uh, of Bond escaping um, and then uh, them having an awesome downhill ski chase. Oh, my God. This is so dope. This is so dope. I don't know why I think I like James Bond, like, films that take place in, in the snow just to get really insane like ski chases but this one was you know like besides the green screen that he was in front of in some of them someone was like those are real people who had to do that and oh yeah these are like you know the 1960s skis so these aren't the fancy shits we have now and like i don't know how you do that with cameras like some dude's just holding this camera on a ski himself they're like go fucker <laughs> just push them down yeah. the hill or something like that but. That's what happened. They had a guy doing helicopter shots and also someone literally just holding a camera and skiing next to people skiing. Fucking amazing. <laughs> There's like... And, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I, I, was I was just going just... to say that uh, James Bond uh, invented snowboarding in this movie. Hell yeah, he did. I was just going to call that out. I was like, when he breaks the ski and it's just one, and you're like... For some strange reason, that seems a lot harder than even snowboarding. <laughs> because he's really doing it, too. You know, he's just... <laughs> this guy, or it could have been Lazenby, or... Yeah, Lazenby himself, because he's like an accomplished skier out of many of the things that he does. Could have actually been him on one ski just going down this hill. But, I mean, I was like, damn, this is some exciting, tense shit that doesn't really let up. Like, once it starts, it just kind of... Yeah, it's really good pacing. Yeah, it's also great when, um, uh, like, when Blofeld kind of joins the chase, even though his outfit looks terrible. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, the goggles all around look goofy as hell. I wrote that Lazenby looks like uh, Johnny Depp uh, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> with those giant white goggles he has on. Um,. But yeah, it's you're uh, you're incredible. You I mean you're absolutely right? Uh, this is such a fun chase, and then when he just hides behind a tree with a ski and starts beaming people <laughs> as as they go over a jump, is fantastic. What about the first duty he hits? Who we then see fall down the largest so far. <laughs> I mean, this is a good 30 seconds of just this this dummy just kind of slowly falling down this fucking cliffside. But how about the second guy who he, to keep him quiet as the rest of the bad guys kind of like uh, search nearby, he chokes him out with two skis just crushing his windpipe, doesn't finish the job, and instead throws him off that same cliff. <laughs> I think that's why we got the 30-second view to be like, oh, 
oh yeah, that guy's dead. He's never coming back again. He died five times yeah. before he even hit the ground. <laughs> Holy shit. But it oh. is, you're right, it is incredible because he, once he gets back into town, he's still not safe. There's like a huge party going on, but they're tracking him, they're uh, looking for him in the crowd, and uh, he's only saved by the very convenient uh, appearance of of, uh, of Tracy. Yep. She's there ice skating, I guess. Yep. <laughs> For some reason, she, well, I guess she says that her her uh, dad just told her where uh, where Bond was going. So she just went there, too. Um, but it's, it's uh, two things are very convenient about this. One, she's a-okay with being shot at. No problemo. And oh, I mean, uh, her dad is. That's, I guess that's a good point. She's probably, yeah, she's grown up in the life now that you say it. Um, but also, man, she can drive. This girl can drive. Yeah, she's awesome. She's total awesome as they're just like driving through this little town as a a what's her face and (laughs) the royal gang of (laughs) yeah Irma Bunt and a guy who looks like he's like ten and two, very conscientious driver. Every. When they burst onto that, like, snow racetrack where they're, like, racing minis around it, and mm-hmm. we get introduced to all these weird, like, driver characters that have get a lot of great, like, face acting, but <laughs> we know nothing else about. Like, the guy who's driving the bad guy car is just sort of, like, he has his head, he's, like, looking over the hood, and he's, like, got his hands on, and he's, like, <laughs> he just, just looks like he's, he is just out for a Sunday drive. Yeah, you know, using his turn signals appropriately while driving his like He's like, oh, my turn, my turn signal is broken. I'd better use the universal hand signals. <laughs> right turn, you go up in the air, and then the left turn, you're sticking it out. Or uh, is this right wheel drive? I can't remember. I give up. You drive. <laughs> Can you please put your hand out there? I would like to go into the. Right lane. <laughs> Seat belts, everyone, please. I don't. Uh, Irma, Irma, put your seatbelt on. We try to talk about this. <laughs> and he's the guy who gets uh, crushed by the avalanche. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> you can't be too cautious. Like, Here's you know, a fun little, uh, a little aside about that avalanche scene. Um, that was shot in conjunction with the Swiss Army um, during one of their col- controlled a- uh, avalanches that they do um, to prevent larger avalanches. I assume that's a real thing. Yeah, that's I, not stock, stock footage. It was shot for the film. Oh, that's great. I was assuming it was weird. I was like, did they really just like cause an avalanche because? That looks like it had a better than normal stock footage feel, but I wasn't yeah. quite sure. It was like it could have been, but it didn't have like that level of graininess that you tend to get with stock footage. That <laughs> yeah, like, like it's obviously everything. filmed on a different camera. Yeah, different camera, different like time of day, everything. This one was really good. So, okay, that makes sense. But even like the weird, like, you know, visual effects they did. To like show them getting crushed by the avalanche, 
including like the really itty bitty guy, like superimposed. <laughs> yeah. on the well, what about footage. the part where someone's obviously like blowing snow? Or just like has a fan in front of a pile of powdered snow and and it's just shooting it at Diana Rick. <laughs> she just yeah. is like, oh, 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 snow. <laughs> this or the one dude who got like hit in the chest with like just a like a snow shaped ball. Like I don't know what it was. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's like oh. really, it's just this really chunky rock of snow. It's like oh why? But I thought you know. Again for nineteen sixty nine, not too bad. You know like, No, I thought it was it looks did. great. Yeah. What, what about when about. they when they pick her up, when they like mm. take her when they they find uh Tracy in the snow and that the bad guys uh like pick her up by two arms and ski away with her with her body just dragging behind them. I was like, This sucks. Yeah, that can't she be is that. going to be sore. Yeah, I was like, that can't be comfortable. But then I like fucking instead of making sure Bond was dead, they're like, Toodaloo! They bomb off and then he gets out and <laughs> just kinda has this look on his face. He's like, I don't want to be here. Why am I covered in this shit right now? <laughs> yeah, this sucks. I do love how they they show him um they cut to him in M's office looking out the window and they superimpose the part where I Tracy like was dragged off. Yeah, that was I, a great. That was a very evocative shot. I really liked it. I I wish there were kind of a couple more shots that helped back that one up, but that was a real nice, like artsy fartsy shot that I, I yeah I really enjoyed that. Right, one. it's like short fa- shorthand for being like, wow, James Bond actually cares about this lady. Yeah, all right, we get it, we get it. And then uh. What's he do? He goes to Papa Draco next? Yeah, well, he gets, like, <laughs> Draco uh, Draco just calls him, and he's like, Hey, I'm gonna need some helicopters. <laughs> There's a lot of weird crap that happens in, like, the, the finale of this movie. Uh, that whole hel- helicopter scene where they're being Yo, interrogated by the Swiss, <laughs> the Swiss Air Force. <laughs> And they send jets and everything, and then the jets are like, no, never mind. He's like, I've got a bunch of journalists in here. And they're like, oh, geez, we got to get out of here. (laughs) I was like, I get it. We just need to see them in the helicopters. We know where they're going. That was probably another good four minutes they could have cut out, but we still would have understood what was happening. Yeah. Because there's the part where he's like, oh, we're we're bringing a blood plasma. That's his cover, is that they're bringing blood pa- plasma to a, some sort of a tragedy in the Italian Alps. And I was like, is that because Blofeld caused that avalanche? <laughs> is that the tra- tragedy you're talking about? Well, he had to go on the other side of that hill, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, how about... When Bond gets captured, they kill his blonde uh, helper guy. Oh, yeah. They find him, like, climbing up in broad daylight to try to get up to the top of the where the Institute is as Bond is playing uh, curling. Hilly. Yeah, Hilly is yeah, right. Yeah, Hilly, is, Hilly is playing curling. And he's, he's, uh, he dies. <laughs> the blonde yeah, guy, the... pretty badly. 
Well, yeah, they strung his ass up in front of the 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 uh, the what the fucking sky trolley car. I don't know what you would call one of those things. Yeah, oh. whatever the 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 cable car winch mechanism. There's a window right next to it, and that uh, you see this uh, very. It was, it was gruesome. I, I knew that he had killed him, obviously, because he alludes to it, but uh, I didn't realize they were going to show it. And, um, yeah, he, he is very convincingly looks like he looks like he had a bit of a an accident. Although, I don't know, like, w- doesn't he then have to be like, hello, Swiss authorities, I've got this guy hanging outside my window. You guys want to go up here and bring some uh bring a trash bag and some wire cutters well i did some research on this just to make sure that guy is still there to this day and he's (laughs) (laughs) just left his ass right there (laughs) we hung him up once it was too difficult to do it um we could have used a a stunt double but or you know like a like a, a dummy but no one's gonna miss this guy uh but that the whole attack uh with draco's forces on the on the institute is is pretty awesome because they are evenly matched it's not a situation where the bad guy has figured all this out and he is waiting for them they take them by surprise and they win which is crazy and then they blow up the entire institute Oh, I love it. I mean, dude, when Bond comes in, he's literally just, like, sliding down the, like, the entry right. like, with a little stand, he's just like, just shooting all these dudes. I was like, yeah, get it, Bond. Just and I'm pretty sure stomach. that was the same place he was, like, failing at curling as, uh, and he kind of slipped and fell as Hilly, and now he's like, I know fucking curling. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is curling. <laughs> Yeah, I'm James Bond, damn it. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that whole, that whole, like, you know, um, when Tracy's fighting that goon, like, in the, uh, in the observatory room, and, like, smashing his head through, and when he went down the yeah. steps, it was like, oh, man, she broke that dude's neck. Nope. Like, nope. He was just pretending. <laughs> He's pretty, he could have gave Michael Myers... Some training on that one. He's like, you pretend like you're dead, then you spring up and attack really fast. Uh, but yeah, I love this whole sequence. And then yeah, when they blow it up, I'm like, yeah, that's what I would do too if you kidnapped my daughter. And yeah, who I then I, knock that's, out to right. like, literally <laughs> physically punch her. Friggin' terrible. I didn't know that all of that guy's lines are eighty yard. Did you? The Draco uh, character. Very well matched ADR. Yeah. To be honest. It's crazy. It's an Italian actor who accent just didn't work, I guess, when they recorded it on the day. And so somebody came in and and dubbed over all of his lines. Some of you can tell, like, that part where he's like, well, spare the rod, spoil the child, right? (laughs) It's like very, it has a very, like, rushed ADR feeling. But uh, I didn't know that until I looked it up. Yeah, no, I wasn't really paying attention to it. I just thought I was like, okay, that guy's that that guy is who he is. That's cool, you know. Like as far as it was, but yeah, no, I didn't realize it was ADR. The Here final is, this, big, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, here it is. It's my, one of my favorite Bond movies of all time. I didn't even realize it was ADR. <laughs> Fail. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think, like you said, there's a lot of weird ADR in these Bond, and especially these, these older Bond movies. So uh, that one, I could not tell. I just happened to come across that information when I was researching other stuff. But what do you think of this final action set piece? The, the luge chase. It's, I mean, the first thing I thought was like, damn, people really do this shit. Like, not obviously ride a luge and try to shoot at someone. Right, right. No, luge and and bobsleds in general are terrifying. I totally agree. I mean, no, to me it looks fun as shit. Something, if I was a, a, a fitter man, I would probably try to do once. But this, not in 1968 or, you know, whatever <laughs> film this shit, I would do that. Because, I the mean, he's literally... And, spring, and strings that control this. Yeah, it just looked like, you know, rust and strings and a prayer. That's the only things that you have to hope for, <laughs> that you'll make it down on the bottom. I mean, literally scared the shit out of me. But, um, I thought it was, it seemed weird. But then again, you know, when you look at Blowfield, I don't expect him to be like a physical match for a Bond. So I don't see this being like, you know, a brawl out duel somewhere i see him trying to get away or you know trying to cheat a win so i guess this was as close enough to it but um and that looked pretty good like the parts where i was like i don't know how you really shot this back in the day other than giving a guy a camera and say good luck hope you don't fall out this fucking thing (laughs) (laughs) how about the guy how about the grenade that goes off and it's clearly i don't i mean it's some sort of explosive and that stuntman, it just barely gets out of there <laughs> as that thing explodes. I also do love that, you know, they make a big deal about James sort of chasing after uh, Blofeld in his, his uh, in his, his, whatever it is. is. Is it a bobsled? Is it a luge? I'm not sure. But um, he, he gets blown up with a grenade at one point and falls out of his his bobsled or luge or whatever, and he just runs like he just runs ahead of Blofeld and then jumps on his. It's like just run beside it. I think you can just run to the end at this point. <laughs> I mean, I thought he would have done a lot better if he would have popped on a pair of skis, <laughs> went down the side, you know, yeah. followed this track. Um, I mean, some of it was, there was one shot where, like, the camera just went every direction. I could not tell you what happened there. It was like, it looked down, then up, then left, then right, then forward, then back, then through time. And then it ended up back there. I was like, <laughs> right. I Went I to the Buckaroo Bonsai dimension. Yeah, it was like, you know, we saw John Lithgow there going, hey, <laughs> It's me, Bond John Big, Big Booty. Booty. <laughs> right, Bob Big Booty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could tell, but eh, I, I thought how Blowfield got taken out here was pretty, pretty, I want to say brutal. I mean, it was quick, but it was very brutal. I was like, ooh, oh, that's a... Yeah, I still good. don't know why Bond doesn't just jog back up there and make sure <laughs> Blofeld is down for the count, but yeah, he gets, like, he, Bond pops his, uh, Blofeld's head up. And it gets basically stuck in a tree branch, to which Bond says, he's branching out <laughs> in a great, 
little ADR moment. But yeah, it it's it looks like it's really bad, but I mean, we find out later he just has like a neck brace. He's like, "Oh, jeez, what a kink in my dink." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm just kind of going from the perspective of like, yeah, that's a, you know, like most Bond villains are like, you know, blown up or like shot through the moon or, you know, they're attacked by something there, you know, like they're killed by their own weapon. They're turned to, you know, something like that. It's never something bombastic, like, some like a set piece. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. This was so low key in comparison to other Bonds. It had... I mean, everything has this really grounded feeling that ties everything together, and this included. It's like, no one's around. The stakes for everyone seem pretty low. Like, I know it seems dangerous, but, like, James Bond gets blown up with a grenade at one point and is able to just jog around the track and be fine. So, yeah, it's, like, weirdly low rent almost for james bond but i think that kind of works in its favor it's 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 in the spirit of the rest of the movie certainly yeah i mean i think it solves for what happens next right like it it helps uh it almost helps sells everything else because you're not worried about that anymore i guess if he was to get like shot by a laser you wouldn't have worried about that either but in this instance there was you know i guess a bit of unknown but you felt like if you've watched one Bond movie, you know he's usually taking care of the villain one way or the other, so you don't have to worry about him. Right. You know. But it it turns out he sh- he really should have because yeah. we get like a a wedding scene, which is again one of the things that kind of sets this movie apart and um and makes it a much more mature Bond, I guess, especially for the time. Um because they do have like a really sweet wedding and even like Q is happy for him and M and uh and uh, Draco are kind of like palling around uh kind of like have a truce like they're it's clear they know each other they reference mm-hmm. um Goldfinger sort of offhandedly to sort of say that, uh, you know, you cost me three of my, you know, most valuable assets. And they, and they reference some stuff from Goldfinger. So it's giving you a larger sense of this, like, uh, continuity that they rarely address in Bond movies, especially the old ones. And, uh, yeah, it's just a great, that part is just fantastic. And it makes what, uh, happens next like all the more heartbreaking oh my god it's the same i mean it's easy to say that this is the saddest bond movie yeah i, I still even, absolutely yeah even even more so than casino royale yeah i mean this like when we were talking about it at the start this is one of the reasons why it reminds me of the the craig bonds craig bond attorney in law <laughs> the uh daniel craig james bond movies because you know that is filled with character development that's based on loss and it has bond like forming real connections with people instead of kind of being uh disposable eye candy 
and that's something that this movie does too and then at the end they just <laughs> blowfeld and and uh irma do a drive-by on yeah. uh tracy and and bond and and fucking shoots tracy yeah right in the uh the head and the the acting we get from george lazenby here as he like cradles his dead bride and like talks about how she'll be okay and how they'll have all the time in the world um it is so authentically heartbreaking um and uh apparently to so it's no secret we've talked about it several times george lazenby was not an experienced actor so so basically he just copied sean connery uh, he he said himself uh for this movie um but for this scene the director was certain that he wouldn't be able to get the the level of gravitas that was needed so he made george lazenby show up at 8 a.m before everybody else got to set and he made him rehearse this scene for like five hours or something to the to the point where he was just exhausted and then that's when he filmed it so basically what you're seeing is just like an emotionally drained exhausted george lazenby emoting about this this loss and it it you know that's not a cool thing to do to anybody if you're a director this is not i'm not celebrating this in any way but um you know he he got the performance he wanted at the cost of uh, you know the comfort and um probably a little bit of the sanity of george lazenby i mean i you know yeah i'm I'm with you there i don't I don't celebrate this. I don't want to reward it. But the performance that was garnered from it was very impressive. Like, it, it, it's so fucking sad. Like, you know, you're you're like finally like, okay, Bond, you know, Bond is settling down. He, you know, he's finally met a, you know, person that like can keep up with Bond in every, you know, sense of the word and this is how this ends it doesn't end on like you know it's not a cheery note i don't even think you get in the uh, credits you know bond will return in like none of that it's just so so sad yeah and uh, and originally when they offered george lazenby the the seven picture bond uh, contract um they were going to end this one just on the wedding and they would be driving off and then the next movie uh would open with a cold open where this would happen oh jeez you know yeah. but it's funny that feels like that would make a it that that feels standard right that one would make right sense. it would not be nearly as memorable if they had done that, I agree. Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that. I'm going to have to read up a lot more on this movie now. Make myself... Yeah, it's uh, a really... This whole deal is really interesting. Um, I, 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 won't, we'll, I won't talk about it here, but I went down another rabbit hole with the whole um, Never Say Never Again and uh, Thunderball. Um, like, the the... 
the legal battles and uh, weird contract stipulations that led to that um, being a thing and Seanery, uh, uh, as we call Shonery. him, I love um, <laughs> reprising his role 10 years after the fact. Um, but uh, that is a story for another day. So as we spoke about at the top, these are Pop Saga selects. So John, why... I mean, this is George Lazenby's only bod, so as I mentioned in the intro, it's not much of a selection, uh, but what makes this one the best Lazenby? I gotcha. This never happened to the other fella. <laughs> Fuck that, right there. Yeah. God damn this song! That is Hit what makes the road, the- Jack. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, look, it wasn't hard because the way we're doing this makes sense that we were going to end up on like Lazenby no matter what because uh, we wouldn't have a choice because he only did the one. But if we weren't, if we were just kind of going through the James Bond catalog. This would have been one that I recommended that we watch anyway. It is absolutely one of my favorite Bond movies. I think Lazenby does a great job. Um, All things considered, I think Diana Rigg is amazing. Uh, A lot of the notes that you pointed out, it's very well grounded. Um, It's not... It has some camp to it, but... You know, that, that camp is very far and few between versus like i felt like a lot of the connery ones started embracing the camp a lot more um and then of course roger moore is nothing but camp which isn't a bad thing you know but it's different um i really enjoy the fighting in this the the whole ski sequence and this is one of my favorite like chases in a bond film um and yeah telly savalas is a great blowfield I, I really like his take. It's very, you know, his voice is so interesting. His cadence is, it's, it, it, it's a fine, like, Bond film. I think it is a little long, but you pretty much don't need the first half, but that's fine. I, I, you know, other than that, I think it's a great one. So, at the end of the day, though, Oh, that didn't work that time. <laughs> this never happened to the other fella. That's all you need. You just be like, start playing that Honor Majesty Secret Service theme. I'm like, all right, we're in for some good shit. So. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. You got to give it up to George Lazenby. He uh, went from not acting at all to acting in one of the biggest franchises in the world. Reviled and... Um, derided at the time but uh history has cast a much kinder light on him and so for all the reasons you said and more i have no hesitation backing up your pick for this being a pop saga select and it yes it was by default but uh it's it's just fantastic bond and and as i've said many times if you are a fan of the contemporary bond movies um check this one out because it feels the most like those movies 
that you can find in the back catalog. Uh, I think mm, with From Russia With Love probably has a little bit of that, too. That's Connery's most straight-laced, serious one. But uh, this is just great, and I think Lazenby does a fantastic job. And as you said, uh, Telly Savalas. I mean, come on. It's, it's just a fantastic Blofeld. Maybe the best? Maybe the best. I, I Yeah, I think we could... I don't really know if there's much room for argument. I'd be interested to hear if other people have a different thought on who their favorite version of Blofeld is. Mm -hmm. It's for me, it's not a. Oh, what's his name? Christopher. 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 No, yeah, yeah, Christopher. Christopher, (laughs) the dude in the 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 worst name Bond movie, Spectre. Uh oh, uh, Christoph Waltz. Vault, there you go. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, he's a fan. He's got more acting probably in his burnt chest hair than I do in my whole burnt hair body. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like single hair is. But like, he's okay, Blowfield. But um, I don't know. There's oh, you know what? I just wrote, looked up all the Blowfields, and there's some heavy hitters in there. Well, we should um, maybe. Because we're not going to go through all of them, obviously. No, no. But we, I can just tell you uh, off the top here, we uh, got shoot. Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, whatever. We. I just wasn't a fan uh, of that movie, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it, he's fine. I mean, Christoph yeah, Waltz fine. is great. Uh, he's great. I like him a lot. But um, Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Yep. But... Max von Sydow. Never say never again. Of course, that's not a. That doesn't. It almost doesn't count. But I love me some Max von Sydow. Wait, I have a question for you. Does Donald Pleasance at any point in the movie say this? Hey, hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there! (laughs) (laughs) If he doesn't. Somebody please put that in there. All right, I sound like I might have a, a pop saga social media <laughs> clip to make. Hey, uh, hey, Bond, <laughs> get your ass away from that. And of course, I should just mention real quick: Charles Gray and Anthony Dawson uh, also played uh, Blofeld. But yeah, you know. Uh, Max von Sydow, Telly Savalas, two real heavy hitters. Maybe I'd have to watch them back to back to really make a decision. But um, yeah, he was just uh, terrific in this movie. Um, so there you have it. You have a uh, pop saga select. Now you can go out and watch this movie with confidence that it will be a top shelf. Uh, and so that's going to do it for us for this episode. As always, we encourage you to join the conversation. We're at the Pop Saga just about everywhere, but you can find those links directly in the show notes to this episode, so check it out. There's, of course, uh, also links to our merchandise store, and if you want to contribute directly to the production of this, this show, if you like it, that is the best way to do it. We will be working out some other ways uh, that you can give us money in the future if you care to. Uh, So stay tuned for that. 
And as always, we have to thank, have to and want to thank Burton M6 for the incredible theme song. Uh, and as we say, the most, uh, you know, professional and uh, likely best part of the show. So, uh, from John and I to all of you, we hope that you're feeling happy. We hope that you're feeling healthy. And we will see you next week. Remember, kids, Bob sledding isn't for Blowfields anymore. Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip hop from the roots. Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no live. I ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga.